Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Welcome to another session of Global Answers. I hope you were with us last week because we're getting into the book of Revelation. And as we move into the book of Revelation, we are setting a framework for it now as last session and this one. If you missed the last one, you, might, you can always get it onto our website. And last time, we, we finished up last time talking about the rapture out of the book of Thessalonians. So we'll pick up right there. So here's, here's the scripture now that is primarily referred to as the rapture, which is the kept, catching away raptos, like an eagle flies on and grabs a fish and takes him away in his raptors. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So that's where we finished up last time, and Brother Stephen Strew here with, with me also. We were discussing this subject with you, and then, so we went through the three stages of the rapture. This is important for you to catch. In one sense, the rapture is not future, but the climax of it is future, in that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. So now the shout is the very message that we're continually trying to introduce to you, the message that God has sent a prophet and unveiled the scriptures as Revelations 10:7 speaks of the mysteries of God being unveiled in the days of the seventh angel. And so this is the very things that we're bringing to you now. So the shout is this message, which is more than we can bring to you in a half an hour. But nevertheless, it is that. Then the, the voice of the archangel will bring on the resurrection. And then the trump of God will be the catching away a rapture or meeting in the air. And we, we mentioned to you that it was similar to Matthew chapter 27 because God sets a pattern there. So let me read to you out of Matthew chapter 27, starting at verse 50. And this is where Jesus is on the cross and he's about to die. And so watch the parallel now. Verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. So here's that, like, just like a shout, just like we had here. And what he said, of course, was, as into thy hands I commend my spirit. Verse 51, and behold, a veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, which shows that it was God in heaven opening up the veil to bring into view the Holy of Holies, which had always been hidden from man and only the high priest could go in there because under the blood of bulls and goats, man couldn't go into that presence. But when the veil was rent, this meant that access to all believers were able to go into that presence of God through this thing we call, the scripture calls the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So the veil was rent from top to bottom <clears throat> and the earth did quake and the rocks did rent. So there was a mighty earthquake and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Two things important here. It's tied to an earthquake, and many bodies of the saints arose. Not all the bodies, many bodies. Why? Because 
the, again, the Jewish nation, just like the Gentiles, there's a separation between elect group and a believing group, but are not elect for the same purposes. And so and we'll get into it and show you in a moment that there are those who resurrect and go into the millennium to rule and reign with Christ. Then there's another group that resurrect after the millennium. They're not on earth uh, in, in bodies during that, during that period of time. We'll, sh we'll show you that. And so many, many arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. So the same thing now, many arose and appeared to many. Not all saw them, not all arose. So the same thing will happen at this resurrection that's taking place. The dead in Christ will rise. How do you get in Christ? By one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. So the dead in Christ rise and they are with us. And then those who are spiritually prepared for a rapture will see those dead in Christ have risen. And so they will appear to many. The whole world won't see them, but those who are going to be included with them will see them. And then this group here, they were walking on earth for a period of time until Christ himself ascended. And so when he ascended, the saints went with him. That's where the scripture says in Corinthians, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, gave gifts unto men. They had been caught captive in paradise and now were led captive into a next higher dimension as Jesus ascended up with them, going into what I would assume is the New Jerusalem. And then, then this, this uh, seeing the dead in Christ, that, that to the people who are on earth, that's like their little final boost of faith. I made it. Because when you see them, you know you're fixing to be changed in a moment. Your body's going to be changed. That's uh, Corinthians 15. You can read about that. And, and Brother Lonnie, just yes. to interrupt you on yes. that, the concept of a body yeah. is they without us cannot be made perfect. That's what Correct. it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. They without us could not be made. That's the Old Testament saints with the New Testament. The concept of a body is that those that are part of that body that's going to be resurrected will meet up with the other parts of the body that haven't yet been resurrected, oh, you know, yeah. the, or that are alive, that haven't yet been translated. Right. And so that's why they'll come together. There'll be a natural meeting of mm -hmm. that body that wants to be whole, to be caught up to be with the Lord. And the same thing goes for the Old Testament saints. They were part of that body of Christ that mm -hmm. Jesus represented. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when he went, they went because they were part of that body. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, uh, again, to tie back to this body that's being formed that he's talking about, if we go into the book of Revelations again in chapter two and chapter three, there, there, are, there are seven churches of Asia. Asia is, is in uh, Gentile nations. And so these seven churches of Asia were literal churches, and, but they had a message carried by a messenger, an angel, to each age. But the thing I wanted to point out to tie with what he says, it says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So those that by spirit, by revelation, caught what God was doing in, the, in each age, they're the group that, that is caught with Christ and become the bride out of that age. And then they, without us, the rest of the body of Christ, are not yet made perfect. And so then when the body of Christ is finished in its forming, which is this final age, this is the last part of the body of Christ being formed, then, then, then they are the, the perfection that this church completes is accounted to them and they resurrect. 
And so that's where they, without us, are not yet made perfect. Because in God's great mind, he already had all those names Amen. written on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. And then when the very last name is redeemed and takes their place in the body, then, then the resurrection can take place because the work is finished among the Gentiles. Then God will turn back, turn his attention back to the Jews again. So now, we, so now we've got a rapture taking place. The shout is taking place right now. The voice will be the resurrection. The trump will be the change in the body. All of these are, are scriptural points. And then, then the, uh, where do I want to go next? <clears throat> and then the, uh, the dead in Christ rise and they step into this next dimension. Then at that point, God is finished with grace to the Gentiles. And he now turns his full attention to the Jews. And so now, now the, the, the Gentiles go into their tribulation while the Jews are receiving their message through which they will receive uh, Jesus as their Messiah. Of course, mm -hmm. they don't know that now because Paul wrote and told us in Romans that they are blinded to this until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. So God has blinders over the eyes of the Jews until that time when the bride uh, resurrects, raptures, is God's finished with her, turns his attention to the Jews. He uses what Revelation chapter 11 calls the two witnesses, which are actually two prophets, because you can tell from their works that they are prophets that God sends to them. And these two become mighty, mighty powerful uh, tools in the hand of God to show that God, God is going to, through them, unveil to them all that's happened in the past and bring them right up to date on what God is doing. And uh, there will be a response to their message. Stephen, tell the people about that. <laughs> all right. Um, there's Revelation chapter 11. Correct. And uh, there's two prophets. Correct. At the beginning of chapter 11, We've got time. Let's turn to it because there's an interesting thing at the beginning of that chapter. That, and of course, then the actual words of that chapter give us clarity on uh, those, two, those two messengers, those two prophets. And a lot of people, a lot of different teachings uh, don't seem to um, get, get this picture very well. But it starts in verse 1. It said, There was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple and the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given to the Gentiles. And the, and the holy city shall they tread underfoot forty and two months. The reason I wanted to read that is there's, in God's way of thinking, maybe we can say his economy, he has different ways of dealing with Jews and Gentiles. Just like the, the uh, temple had an area for Jews and an area for Gentiles. The area that was for the Jews was measured. And every time we read about Jews, we read about numbers, we read about the extents, it's always measured. When it comes to Gentiles, not measured. Mm -hmm. So we know exactly the time that God's going to be working with the Jews, 40 and two months, which is three and a half years. But how long is he going to work with the Gentiles? Well, we don't know. We've got seven ages, but we don't know exactly the length of that, of that mm -hmm. final age. And so it's not measured. So when God sends these two prophets, he's sending them specifically to the Jews. That's why there's this distinction between Jew and Gentile. Now, of course, any Gentile that listens and, 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 and understands what those prophets are saying will benefit from it, but it's specifically to the Jews, just like our messenger is specifically to Gentiles. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, uh, the reason I bring that up is because many times people read Malachi chapter 4, and it says, Behold, I will send you, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, I will send you Elijah the prophet. 
prophet, and they go, oh, uh, that's this prophet in, in Revelation chapter 11. Well, no, it isn't because this prophet is strictly to Jews. Mm -hmm. And so, and that would be another topic we could go into. But looking at these two prophets, if we go down to verse 4, it says these two witnesses are the two olive trees, the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And what he's doing there is, is he's referring back to Zechariah. And Zechariah said there would be two olive trees. So now we've got two ends. We've got Zechariah in the Old Testament saying there'll be two, two, olive, uh, two candlesticks, uh, two olive trees. And uh, Zechariah said, what is this? What does this mean? And he says, these are the two anointed ones mm -hmm. that stand before the Lord of the whole earth. And then we go to Revelation 11 where we are now and we see, oh, here are these two olive trees. Here are these two witnesses again. Well, there's a wonderful episode in the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 17 that gives us tremendous clarity on who these two prophets are. Now, if we go on reading here, and you can do this uh, when you look through this chapter, look in verses 6 and 7, and you will see the kind of ministry that these two prophets had. They could bring fire down out of heaven. They could turn water into blood, all manner of plagues. Those are familiar uh, miracles to us mm -hmm. because we saw those in the lives of Moses was the one that turned the water into blood and plagues. Elijah was the one who said it couldn't rain. It didn't mm -hmm. rain for three and a half years. And uh, he was able to call fire down out of heaven to consume uh, those people, uh, that, uh, that captain and his 50, on two different occasions. So these miracles specifically identify. Mm -hmm. But if we go to Matthew 17, and this is a wonderful uh, um episode in Jesus' life that shows us exactly who these two olive trees, these two anointed ones are that are spoken of in Zechariah and in Revelation uh, chapter 11. And just for a little background, in chapter 16, uh, Jesus says to his disciples at the end of chapter 16, uh, 27, he says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father. And then verse 28, Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here that shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Mm -hmm. This is important. So when the Son of Man comes, not for the catching away of the church, but coming in his kingdom mm -hmm. for his millennial reign on earth, there's some that were standing there, that was Peter, James, and John, we find out in the next chapter, that didn't taste of death mm -hmm. when they saw Jesus coming. And now the next verse is so critical. God operates in patterns. When we see God operate one time, he'll almost always follow that same pattern again. And chapter 17, and after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, mm -hmm. and John. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting because what's after six days is seventh day. Mm -hmm. So this is in the seventh day. Whenever we read the number seven, we always think of the seven church ages. That comes up over and over mm -hmm. again. The seven candlesticks are the seven churches, the seven eyes, the seven spirits, the mm -hmm. seven lamps, always referring to those church ages. And so after six days in the seventh day, that would be the day we're living in now. That's our age. And of course, this age is the one that sees the catching away of the church, the start of the tribulation. That's where those two prophets appear is mm -hmm. in the tribulation. And look what happens. Jesus gets transfigured before them in verse 2. And then in verse 3, And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. That's talking with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So here we have that picture spoken of in Zechariah where Jesus is, is standing there with the two olive 
branches, the two candlesticks, the two lampstands standing there with the Lord of the whole earth. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can uh, read that in Zechariah chapter 4 verses 2 and 3 where it talks about there's these olive trees and then Zechariah says, who are these? What are these olive, what are these? And he says, these are the two anointed ones that stand with the Lord of the whole earth. And uh, do you have that there, Brother Lonnie? Did yeah, you, I do. Won't you read that? Because that's really critical. Yeah, Zechariah 4, verse 2, he said, said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I, I looked, and behold, a candlestick, all of gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, seven pipes to the seven lamps which are on top of it, and the two olive trees by it, and one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side. And so he spake to me and, and says, What are these, my Lord? It, again, it's repeated in verse 11. What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the canisk and upon the left? In verse 12, I answered and said unto him, What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? So here comes an Amen. anointing. Exactly. And he answered and said, And knowest thou not what these be? I said, No, my Lord. And he says, these are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So here we have Jesus, the Lord of the whole earth, yeah. standing on, on uh, what we call now Mount Transfiguration right. and revealing himself as he will be, he says, at the coming for his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And who's standing with him? Moses and Elijah. Right. So you were saying that those two witnesses would be preparing Israel right. to receive Messiah. While we're on that subject of talking about these two witnesses, let's back up to chapter 6, Revelations chapter 6. Now, we'll go in more detail in Revelations chapter 6, but there are six of the seven seals of Book of Revelation in chapter 6. And the sixth seal starts in Revelations chapter 6, verse 12. And, what it, and you can read it for yourself at any time, but what it's depicting is the great tribulation. And then in chapter 8, verse 1, we find the seventh seal. And then in between the sixth and seventh seal, we have chapter 7 in the Bible. And so now in chapter 7 is where we find that God is going to call out 144,000, 12,000 out of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. So, so, so here's chapter, uh, chapter 6, the sixth seal, showing tribulation time. And then God in chapter 7 is showing part of what's going on in the tribulation, which is calling out the 144,000, 12,000 out of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's the elect of God. And then, and then when we get over to chapter 10, we, we watch the finish then of the Gentile ages, which is the seventh seal of chapter 8. And then chapter 11, God is turning back to the Jews again because now he's finished his work with with the uh, hundred, excuse me, the with Gentiles. the Gentiles, and now calling out the hundred and forty-four thousand, and it's interesting when we note now that in Revelations chapter fourteen, these these two, uh, these hundred and forty-four thousand die a martyr's death, by the way, in the great tribulation. And then in chapter 14, it says, I looked and lo, a lamb stood on Mount Zion and with them 144,000 having his father's name written in their, written in their foreheads. 
we find out here they are with the Father's name written in the forehead, and yet people who take the mark of the beast are marked in their forehead. Mm. And so we find forehead becomes significant both for the saved and the lost. And that forehead represents your thinking or your revelation, mm. your understanding, what's been revealed to you. And so the people then in, uh, in Revelations chapter uh, 13, where we get into the mark of the beast, we'll go into that in more detail later, get into the mark of the beast, it says they're marked either in their forehead or their hand. And of course a hand, that represents money, support, work, and so that's the hand, so either they're supporting this beast system or their forehead, doesn't take both, or their forehead, which means their understanding or their revelation. So those who take the mark of the beast are those who agree with this beast religious system that's coming on the earth. They're marked because they've rejected the truth and now receiving a false system. Or there might be those who say, man, I don't agree with this, but I'll support it because if I don't support it, I don't know what's gonna happen to me. And so they put money into it. And so in God's eyes, either way they're marked. They have to take a firm, solid stand against that beast system, then they won't be marked in their forehead or their hand. But here's 144,000 now, they've been sealed in their forehead with the Father's name. And if we go into the book of Ephesians, we find out the Father's name is Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus of all things, Father's name. So here's the 144,000 who've got the revelation that the name of the, the very God that they had rejected when he came the first time is after all Jesus. And so now they got the Father's name stamped in their forehead and, it's, and they're sealed by their revelation. And the two witnesses have brought to them this truth. You, you know, Brother Lonnie, there's a lovely scripture in Matthew, in Revelation chapter 15, where it says they sing the song of uh, Moses. The right. song, they sing the song of, of, of Moses saying, blessed, and, and, and holy art thy works, Lord God Almighty. Yeah. And they're talking about Jesus. Yes, they have amen. a revelation now of who the Godhead is, of what the Godhead, of what the name of the Godhead is, that it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And based on the teaching of those two prophets, yeah, they, they, they recognize, oh my, we didn't have that revelation correct, right, right. but they learn it in the tribulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zechariah goes into that a lot about the... Uh, They'll, where did you get those wounds in That's your hands right. in the house, my friends? They recognize the, the Messiah. Yes. I'd like to linger just a little while. It sure. is true that those who refuse to take the mark of the beast, though they die a martyr's death, will be given life at the white throne yes. judgment. And there, and so this white throne judgment, that's in Revelation chapter 20. I'd like to linger on that in a moment because here's a group of people who, who don't grasp what God is doing this side of the tribulation and thereby get their, uh, let's say, seal in the forehead or right. the revelation of what God, is do what God is doing. And they go into the tribulation and, and then there they stand against the mark of the beast. Now, here comes our two groups again that we keep emphasizing. Matthew chapter 25 again, we go back there. We've got the five wise and foolish virgins. The wise had oil in their lamp. That means they had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The foolish had no oil in the lamp. They discovered. But we notice the scripture calls them both 
virgins. That means they're clean living people. So in, in their growing in the grace of God, they come up through justification and sanctification. So they're both sanctified, sanctified people. And so in, in this unveiling of the word now, the wise group with the oil in the lamp, they go in with the bridegroom. The foolish miss the rapture. Matthew chapter 25 shows us that very clearly. Let me just see if I can turn to that. And the foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil, Matthew 25, 8, for our lamps are gone out. We went into that last time. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and for you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. So here's a group of people who are seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And while they're seeking it is when Christ comes and begins to wrap up the whole thing now with this end-time message that we're delivering to you. So we are right in the middle of this parable right now. The, the, the cry, behold, the bridegroom cometh, has already come by the seventh messenger angel to warn a people we are in the last days. Or as uh, Brother Branham, when he was baptizing way back in 1933, I think it was, on the Ohio River, <clears throat> and a great light came down over his head. Several thousand people were on the riverbank, and a voice spoke out and said, As John the Baptist foreran the first coming of the Lord, so will your ministry forerun and forerun Christ, forerun the coming word. And so he, he was sent as a forerunner to get us ready for this second coming to, get, to cause us to meet up in the air. So that is this shout, this voice right here, the bridegroom's coming. So this message that we're sharing, sharing with you. So we run out of time, friends, and I'm going to have to close out and we're going to pick up next time on the wise and foolish virgin and show you all through scripture that there are two groups within the church. I hope you're beginning to see, friends, that, that from the Scripture there are two groups, both professing belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, yet God dealing differently with each one of them. And He's told us scripturally what He's doing with each group. The Bible says that in Luke 17:30 that it'll be as it was in the days of Lot, so will it be in the revealing of the Son of Man. We've got to remember that Lot also was a believer. And yet here was another believer sitting out in the plains of Mamre called Abraham. He was sitting waiting for the promised son because he'd been waiting almost, well, many years. And then, but Lot, another believer down there, two angels came in to visit him and deliver him from the destruction that was about to come. But it was Abraham sitting in the plains of Mamre that had a visitation by God in flesh who discerned the very thoughts that was in Sarah's heart in the tent behind him. This very ministry has been replicated, duplicated on earth again to show us where we are in time, friends. We are waiting for the near coming of the promised son. Today's program, The Tribulation, Who Goes Into It and Who Does Not, as well as a sermon by Brother Lonnie Jenkins entitled, Before the Great and Dreadful Day of the Lord, are both available on DVD. To order them, visit us on the web at globalanswers.us or write to Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. Our zip code in the USA is 45801. Once again, we invite you to write us with any comments or questions about our program. Your feedback is very important to us, and we really look forward to hearing from you. 
Our email address is info at globalanswers.us. Thanks again for joining us, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.